an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 426. What happened to the music? Oh, my night. Oh, my, okay. Skyder wanted to make royalty-free music with mouth beats. It always cuts out. (laughs) (laughs) The day is here. At midnight on Comedy Central. Uh, My new late night show is uh, starting tonight at midnight. Technically, it's Tuesday morning, but we're going to call midnight Monday night. Let's say it starts at 11.59 to 59 seconds. Uh, It's on after Colbert, four nights a week. They're giving us a month, so please watch it. It's kind of a stand-up comedy game show in the sense that we... uh, It's really just an excuse to get a bunch of comics to come together and screw around and make jokes about stuff we pulled from social media. But it'll look like a game show, but it's really... uh, it's really a bunch of comics dicking around. And uh, our first episode is Doug Benson, Camille Nanjiani, Natasha Legero, And some other people you'll see in the upcoming episodes will be uh, Pat Oswald and Ron Funches and Kurt Brownoler and um, Rob Delaney and June Diane Raphael. So it's a pretty spectacular group of uh, comics and performers. So tune in at midnight. Midnight, Monday through Thursday, after Colbert on Comedy Central. With me, Chris Hardwick, who is also thanking... Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Holidays are coming up, as you may or may not be aware. Christmas junk's going to be going up soon, because Halloween, and then right after Halloween, what happens when they start putting all the freaking turkey stuff in the grocery store, and then the maybe not even when that's not even done, it's Christmas trees. And so you're going to be mailing a lot of stuff in the coming months. Stamps.com has the entire post office at your fingertips without the post office that surrounds the rest of your body, which is an air of misery. So why do that to yourself? Print out exactly the postage you need. Uh, With Stamps.com, they're going to send you a digital scale. I mean, you can use the promo code NERDIST. You get the special offer of the digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. It's a $110 bonus offer. It's a no-risk trial. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST. That's Stamps.com. Use the promo code NERDIST. Uh, This episode is our dear, dear, dear old friend, Greg Proops, Mr. Gregory Proops, who has a new stand-up special available on chill.com starting uh, October 22nd. So that's today's the Monday we're putting this up, so Tuesday it'll go up. So uh, Greg, Greg is one of our favorite performers and, uh, and a shit ton of a nice guy. So please get uh, Greg special and, uh, and check, out this, check out this podcast you're about to check out. Why did the music drop out? Because that's music where I would use the term check out as if I were a DJ doing a chill out mix. The beat's about to drop. Boom. Oh. 
Wait, let me light the let me light the nag champa incense I, I, and then try to get in your pants to that chill out mix. <laughs> Here's Craig Proops on Nurse Podcast episode number four seventy six. I'm the worst beatboxer. <laughs> Can I still get in your pants? We'll we'll see. Gonna beatbox. <laughs> end that shit. End it now. What? End it now. I don't really want to beat it. <laughs> you want to beat my boss? What is that joke? I don't know. It's the worst thing ever. Now entering Nerdist.com. Blackberry in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Steam powered, man. You put the water right in here. <laughs> That's why you went to Niagara Falls to charge up your phone. I'm, I'm waiting. To, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I love that uh, we, we were just talking about how you were in Niagara Falls and you got back from Niagara Falls. And then Katie brought up that the people uh, who, for some reason or another, who are like, oh, we should go over this in a barrel. And that instantly just sparked the anxiety of I cannot imagine a worse thing than to basically seal yourself into a fucking barrel and go over a waterfall the terror of going off an enormous precipice with millions of cubic gallons of water has to be exacerbated by being in a hideous black hole that you have no control over <laughs> just being in a barrel <laughs> sends me into a panic just Gross. if we were just in this yeah. room over yeah. there and don't worry we're not going to touch it I don't give a shit yeah. get in that barrel <laughs> this is yeah. someone to be in it I yeah. don't want to be in a barrel ever really not yeah. even if I'm an apple <laughs> <laughs> or beer I don't yeah. or uh, many monkeys <laughs> <laughs> or a bunch of fish well <laughs> It's easy to get the monkeys Being out of the barrel. Out. You just have to hook their arms, and then they pull out one yeah, at a time. That's how monkeys work. That's how monkeys work. Yeah, that's exactly Boys how... Arm arm. Yeah, they do, right? They link when you yeah. pull them out. Yeah, that's just part of their... That's Sometimes they're yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Blue and whatnot. I'll tell you, Mostly it really red. is not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> but, you, but Niagara Falls was... Well, we were there doing a gig, and the, the gig was fine. It was at some theater, but people acted like it was a casino because we actually got a big enough round of applause to do an encore, and I'm not one to sniff at an encore. If everyone's standing, you know, you can't make an audience stand. They don't, no. they don't stand just because you say stand. And uh, boom, they opened the doors, and everyone left. And we, we were, like, almost, oh, no. embarrass- <laughs> almost, almost embarrassingly walking back out. You know, oh, you love us. And then, oh, they're you're gone. Oh, we yeah. just came out to wave goodbye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So our tour manager went over and went, what the fuck? You, you know, keep the doors closed. Keep, keep the house lights down for a second. Can't you see that everyone's standing? And they're like, oh, well, show's over. <laughs> You're like, oh, brother. All they, they understand waterfall uh, philosophy, so it's yeah. like they have to keep the flow. Yeah, going. yeah, that was what it was. It's been backed up too long. You yeah, know, yeah. if we get these people, this could blow up. Get in your barrel and go home. <laughs> one, guy, <laughs> one guy just crowd surfing through the barrel. Yeah, yeah. Waterfall, waterfall culture is so weird. It's very so weird. Yeah. So specific. Yeah. Super iffy. <laughs> It's misty for yeah. one thing. It's going on and on, and it only goes in one direction. One direction. Uh-oh. Waterfall. See? They're like waterfall a waterfall. Rock. But you know what? Don't go chasing waterfalls. Oh my God! Riff fest. 
Which takes you to the Housewives of Atlanta because uh, she's on the show. <laughs> what? The woman who wrote Waterfalls was one of the characters on the show. I can't remember her name. She's a sad songwriter on the show. Her name Housewives is Claire Waterfall. Exactly. Now, when you say sad songwriter, do you mean sad songwriter or like she's a sad songwriter? I mean, she, she's a sad, comma, songwriter. Okay. Uh, yeah. or sad, semicolon, songwriter. She's because, a bit of a sad. <laughs> I mean, why would you be on the Housewives of Atlanta? You know, it's like. Because you're desperate for attention or whatever. No, you just you have a story that needs to be told. And, and they the only represent avenue. every housewife in Atlanta. They really do. Yeah. Whether they're rich or semi-bankrupt. Uh, <laughs> it seems like that was what the story was. But I don't know why I know that. Well, because she's on the show. She talks about it. She wrote that horrible song for Kim, what's her name? The blonde lady who was on the show called Don't Be Tardy for the Party. Which, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, what she show? did. It's called The Housewives of Atlanta. It was on Bravo. Yes, I've watched it. Uh, I'm not a regular viewer as much anymore because uh, I find that a philately takes up a good deal of my time. Of course, right? yes. <laughs> that, that, that would take a lot of time. And the study of waterfalls. Which yes, is, of course. Putting yeah. all the little in place. Yeah. It takes a lot yeah. of time. Yeah, they do. But don't be tardy for the party. And I feel like a lot of people, are, it's accepted that we're tardy for parties. And so, you know, if you really strip away... All the layers uh, on top of all the detritus, I think, underneath, you'll find really a, a special message that we can all well, use. No, well, an erroneous a- message, as you point out. <laughs> who wants someone to show up early to the party? You know who shows up <laughs> early to parties? Yet. It's people with low self-esteem. Yeah. Or it's people like me who don't want to stay too late and then want to leave before a lot of people right. show up. That's true. Or, your, or your best friend who's just there when it starts yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's helping. Yeah. yeah. He's helping out. I brought chips. Well, I, didn't, I brought some chips that I had in a bag. I yeah. didn't buy a new one. No, yeah. I gotta go and here's a, a napkin. Yeah. Hey, happy Columbus Day, you guys. Oh, finally. We're recording this on Columbus Day. We can finally let loose. How are you observing the Columbus <laughs> Day holiday? Um, there were some Native Americans in my neighborhood who I uh, cut their arms off because they didn't give me enough gold. Uh-huh. I thought that that would be the best way. <laughs> to do it yeah. uh, the way Columbus did it that's uh, right also I moved into the house next door and I said this is my house now because God is on my side and the that's king right. of Spain has allowed me to do this well mm-hmm. I went into the valley and wrongly named it Century City <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of different ways that you could there really is uh, uh, yeah no Columbus Day it, that, that has to be the holiday that's changed the most since we were little because it went from being a we used to draw pictures of it and read about him when I was a little kid and then yeah. it went to don't Mention Columbus's name because I'm yeah. in San Francisco too. They used to have a guy would dress up like Columbus and land near the Golden Gate Bridge oh. in the marina and walk on the shore in a little boat and pretend to be planting a flag and what. How quick would he start murdering people? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the main dragon in San Francisco is Columbus, right? That goes through North Beach, Christo- Corso Cristoforo Colombo, right? Because yep. he's from Genoa, and uh, so they were very proud of him for being Italian. And so now they're controversy because it's San Francisco, so we can't be uncool right. and let someone who started the genocide be a hero. But at the same time, there's enough Italians that are like, well, he was from Italy. That's cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. San Francisco, it's like so trying hard not to step on yeah. toes that they even, you know, it's like, where, where does it end? Everyone's crying. Yeah. <laughs> there's too many agendas. <laughs> I, it is... I love the idea that there are still those creepy 70s strip clubs uh-huh. yeah. uh, in, right in, in North Beach. Yeah. Well, yeah. It feels like that's the thing. That whole area in North Beach, because I was just there last or two nights ago. Yeah, I was there a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. You were at Punchline. Yeah, and then um, it's just like it feels – it's the only city that it like feels – this is like it still has a little bit of the Old West feel 
to it. Oh, yeah. This guy's going, come on, in, see tits. Like, the just the feels... Roaring Twenty, the Garden of Allah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Well, there is, the there, there is of that, Allah. that sort of... Um... <laughs> <laughs> right. There used to be a dude who stood in front of that with a fez like Morocco Mole. He was a big fat guy. He worked there for 25 years. All right, gentlemen, gentlemen, come inside, please. please. The show has started already, gentlemen. Secret. Yes, secret square. Secret square. <laughs> I love that there's a, the, and then parts of San Francisco, uh, though, though they've shed most of it, but I, uh, the, the, the sort of the, the gold rush era, yeah, you yeah. know, like the, the Barbary Coast kind of yeah. thing. Come on down and get a, get Mickeyed and be sent to Shanghai. Yeah, to yeah exactly. <laughs> be part of the white slavery. Yeah. <laughs> Ev- evidently, San Francisco, I think, was the most licentious and wide open horror uh, up until the 20th century. Apparently, there was underground tunnels all through Chinatown. The opium trade there was extraordinary, and the cops were always involved in it. And, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be just like – the danger of going to those waterfront bars 100 years ago, you would definitely get knocked out if you were a rube and fucking sent to China. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or wherever. Yeah. The next thing you know, you wake up and you're in a barrel. And there was, there was a lot of, that was all up and down the West Coast. They were doing that oh, a lot yeah. in Seattle, I think, too. And, Absolutely. And my friend was – I was just telling my friend up in San Francisco. He said uh, he's in a band and he played some kind of like – Basement show in Chinatown, and he was say he was like looking around. He's like, "Oh, this was probably where they would like bring people down temporarily until they sh- like." Uh-huh. There was like a, he saw like a tunnel going out. And he's like, "Oh, this is where this is probably where they did it." Yep. It was like a bar upstairs, and then fucking downstairs, they bring him down, send him out. Yeah, I mean, you know, we may have a lot of uh, inconvenient trappings of contemporary culture, but uh, at no time do we feel like, oh, if I go to that place, someone's going to knock me out and send me into a right. weird slave trade. If you go to the Coach and Horses on Sunset, you're not going to get Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> not there anymore. Now it's the pie, uh, the, oh, it's the pie key. It's the pie key. But they have yeah. a drink in memoriam to the Coach and Horses. Oh, they do? Yeah, it should have been called the old crone who's never left behind the bar that you drank with for 50 <laughs> Years. <laughs> I think we, we all remember. Too yeah. long to fit on a sign. Yeah. <laughs> I remember oh. one time at that bar, I was told not to come into the bathroom. I was like, no, I really got to go. Right. And I tried to open the door, and then I saw just like yeah. guys like cotton headlights, like dealing cocaine. Right. And then I got shoved to the ground. Oh. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Was there a happy ending to this, or? Uh, no, I got shoved to the ground and then I quickly ran yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was 20 years old, shouldn't have been there. Anyway. The Coach and Horses was a was a, if I do if memory serves from a long time ago, that was a fine place to go day drinking. Oh, well, oh yeah, it was. Yeah, because yeah, it, it was dark. It was open. Oh, yeah, super, yeah. Well, it's yeah. just super like, dark. Yeah. super air conditioned. It's just uh, you know, there's something about a. Something about a dirty old pub where you're just like, no judgment. You know, yeah. like, always open, yeah. no drawing judgment. room in Los Feliz is another place where there's just no windows. I never and, drank that far east. Yeah. Uh, no, and, I stayed in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another one of those places. You know, a bar opens at six is a place where you oh, know yeah. you're not going to get judged. The Roost in Atwater. Yeah. Right, because like uh, bakers are coming in at six yeah, and going, give me two whiskeys, and then going next door and yeah. finishing baking or whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Was kind of, no. I was thinking of that other horrible one that's down since, uh, or is it on Hollywood? Cat and the Fiddle. Cat and Fiddle. Oh, Cat and Fiddle. Cat and the Fiddle. I'm going there tonight. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I like you the really Cat make and all the hot spots. Yeah. The, cat, the Cat and Fiddle. The Cat and Fiddle. I like the Cat and Fiddle because it has a nice ambiance there. You got uh, your dartboards. You got an yeah. outdoor patio. The patio is great. Yeah. If yeah. You like if you like English footy, they yes. they show English yeah, footy. Yeah. yeah they don't, they're not afraid. Oh, oh no. Tonight they're, they're showing show. Ed Wood. 
What? Are they really? Oh, that's where you're going there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I love that movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. Is it really? Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite Tim Burton movie, I think. Definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. the only one that's like sentimental and coherent and fun. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> all the other ones are, you know. Well, he's just, he's like telling, like, he's telling a story that, like, of like a person that had a life and that yeah. he's really interested in. Yeah. That's why. That's like he's telling the story of him almost. Yeah. And he, like, likes it. And that's why I also liked uh, Frank and Winnie because it was just like, it's like he's kind of like, it's about a kid that was really into like horror right. movies and loves his dog. It's like, oh, this kind of just the so story. So you're, you're, you're saying that you enjoy these, these films because you feel that they're the most personal as opposed to, you know, like he's just doing like a Tim Burton stylized thing. That yeah, I don't think he finds anything like, you know. Willy Wonka and Planet of the Apes are not. That was no. that was first of all a weird movie to a put Willy Wonka on the planet. Oh, yeah, you mean yeah. the separate movies? I was thinking of his one movie, Willy Wonka and the Planet oh, of Willy the Apes. Should have done them together with Sweeney Todd and had it be Sweeney Todd on the planet. Come of the with me and you'll see a world of humans, of humans taking over. How do you take the original Willy Wonka, which is hilarious and mordant and trenchant and you know caustic, and turn it into a hideous you know ride of people in white makeup and yes. Yeah. I mean, they're starving in the beginning, and they're, like, they're really starving. You're like, this isn't making it funny. Yeah. <laughs> was, the, was the original Willy Wonka, was it set in Vienna? Where was the, like, the, the setting was, like, was a, shot in, in Europe. It wasn't shot in, uh, it was shot in, like, Germany or somewhere. Because they made it, because it felt, it felt like a, it felt like an Austrian city. Yeah, it did. But it was, but they were, they all spoke English. Like, and they were all American. He's yeah. American somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I couldn't, and even, he's American and his grandparents have not gotten out of bed in like 30 years. Yeah. yeah. And they, so they've been there for a long yeah. time. Well, then they must be from Vienna. Right? Uh, right. I, I don't know. Because when they fly over at the end, you see that it's all red roofs and like everything. No, they shot a location in Europe. I interviewed Gene Wilder once years ago. And I asked him about it. And uh, he, he was. Uh, you know, he was lovely, but he, uh, he, the beginning when he walks in and he gets, the cane gets stuck and he flips over, he said that was his idea. He goes, I had, he goes, we just started in. He goes, I said to the director, um, I've got to do something that, um, uh, the director just passed away this year, Mel Stewart, I think his name was. He made mostly documentaries uh, to show that the character, whatever he says is a lie and that you should never, I want to put the audience off. So that they are never the rest of the movie trusting what he says. So he came up with the the stick gets stuck and he goes like that, and then he does a flip and he jumps up and everybody cheers. Oh, nice! And, and, and the director went, "All right, do it." And he he said he did like fifteen takes, and then they, he goes, "Do it once without it." And he was like, "I don't want to do it without it because I know you're going to fucking use that one." Oh. And then they did one without it, and he goes, "But they came away and they used the one that he picked." So at the end of the interview, I says to Gene Wilder. <laughs> So this was years ago, and it was one of these uh, airline things for England. Like, when you're in London, come to the West End. Because he, he was doing a Neil Simon play called Laughter on the 54th Floor. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, where he's playing Sid Caesar. And if there was ever an actor who shouldn't have played Sid Caesar, it's Gene Wilder. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sid Caesar in the 50s was six foot four, gigantic. Yeah. He had Mel Brooks out the window. He drank, you know, he was on meth. And Gene Wilder's just this beautiful little, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he punches a wall in one scene in the movie, and there's clearly a tearaway wall, and you know, you're like, mm, this doesn't quite. So I'm interviewing him backstage, and we talked about Richard Pryor and everything. And it was good fun, but then I go, "So what's up next, Gene?" And he goes, "I hope to live <laughs> for another day. I'm not counting on it." And I have to turn to the camera and go, "So when you're in London." <laughs> Be sure to come to Shaftesbury Avenue. Is he a dark, sad guy? Uh, he wasn't the happiest. He, made, he was making a video for someone else who was quite ill at the time, and I think that's why he agreed to do this. But he took a picture with me, and he was nice as could be and everything. Here's another one, though. They had showed Young Frankenstein two nights before, and in those days there was four channels in England. Four. 
Now there's five. <laughs> there was four then, and they were showing it on BBC Two at like midnight, and I stayed up and watched it, right? And I was crying, laughing, and he wrote the movie, right, with Mel yeah. Brooks. And I go, uh, 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 Young Frankenstein, Gene, and he goes, I was watching it recently, and I thought, recently? You were watching it two fucking nights ago with the rest of because everyone in London watched it two nights ago because it was the only bloody thing on at 12 o'clock at night. And he goes, I think I'm a little one-note in it. And I was like, no, you're genius. You know? Yeah. But the note is the right note. Like, you know, it's, it's definitely Mel Brooks's funniest, tightest, well, the producers, but I mean. Yeah. The genre parody of the Young Frankenstein is, is spot on. And, uh, it's great. Well, I think uh, as far as like quotable movies, like the producers definitely has some. Oh, my God. But, yeah. but Young Frankenstein, yeah. well, every, every scene yeah, has yeah, something yeah. in it that, stick, that sticks with you. What um, knockers. I can't necessarily say the same thing about Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother. (laughs) But, you know what? That's okay. It is okay. I mean, you know, they tried. Yeah, I know. Everything can't be genius. I I have a feeling that that Gene Wilder was a much different person when he was young, when he was older. I I remember seeing him on Actor Studio, and this was probably like 12 years ago. And James Lipton said something like, I once heard you say that your idea of a perfect something-something was Chopin- Playing yeah. to, you know, like it was just this really pretentious yeah. mashup of things. And then Gene Wilder goes, Oh, I was so full of shit. Yeah. Like you just sort of, you know, you just yeah. sort of felt like, Oh, there was, you know, yeah. something had happened. Or, well, or maybe his, it was Gilda. Maybe wife it was the Gilda. His, yeah, his mother and his wife both died of cancer. So yeah. I think he had a. Because I said, You're a comedian. And he stopped me and went, I'm not a comedian. I'm an actor. And I was like, Sorry. You know, right. What did you say uh, at that point? It's like, But you're so funny. No, the yeah. point <laughs> Your movies are funny. Yeah. <laughs> when he raises his voice, it's the funniest goddamn thing in the he has 70s. He good yell voice. Yeah, the yell voice is his greatest. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, he's definitely uh, – he's, he's, he's one of those guys that I – that if he were offered for the podcast, I would absolutely do it. But I'm hesitant to try to make it happen because I'm almost a little afraid. Right. What if he's not – what if he doesn't want to be funny? What if he doesn't want to be amusing in any way? But then again, he would have a million stories to tell because he not, I, don't, I don't mind yeah, if he's even, not amusing. I just yeah. – as long as he would be – you know, sometimes with guys, it, like, look, you know, you have someone like Mel Brooks on, and Mel, he's just alive. Yeah, like, yeah. he just wants, he just has all these yeah. great stories, yeah. and he knows that he totally gets who he is, and yeah. he totally gets that it's fun, and he's yeah. still excited about things. And then, and then there are other people who have told the same stories over and over, yeah. and they just, there's no, you know, it's so hard to find a way in, and right. you want to ride that line between... Well, I want I want to try to get different information out of you without you without you seeing the matrix code behind that, yeah, so yeah. that they don't feel like you're trying to be different, you know? Yeah. So, but then they want to tell the same party piece that they've memorized that they've told on top five thousand things. Yeah. You know? And that man was Clark Gable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that, but that was the thing about Mel Brooks when we had him on. It was like uh, that, you know. It was like you know I've seen every like TV appearance of his. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I've, you know, got all the DVDs and videos and over the years. And, and like, I heard all the stories he was telling us, like most of them I had heard and he was doing them just verbatim. Yeah. And then I think that's coming from a guy that always wanted to be like a stand up performer and wasn't, but he, but you know, he did all these other kind of things, but so he has these, he has his bits Yeah. and he, any chance he gets, he fucking performs them. Stand up philosopher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, a bullshit artist. <laughs> I saw the 12 chairs at uh, the uh, TCM film festival like last summer. 
And I ha- I, it's not funny. It doesn't play. Like, no. Young Frankenstein plays. The producers plays. I showed Annie Hall a couple months ago. Annie Hall still plays. It really does. A whole crowd in L.A. crying laughing. And I knew there was a bunch of people who would never seen it before. Oh, wow. And all the L.A. jokes still got laughs. Yeah. What does he say? There's no garbage on the streets here. And he goes, no, they, they turned it into television shows. <laughs> and like the place goes, hey, you know. And, like, <laughs> uh, but 12 Chairs is dreary. And, yeah. and all he could talk about was how cheap it was to shoot in Yugoslavia. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Mel Brooks talked about for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And then he fucked off and didn't watch the movie. And I thought, God damn it, if I could make you sit here uh. to watch this unfunny piece of shit that never gets yeah. off the fucking ground. Except for Dom DeLuise, who has the only funny part in the movie where he tries to stop. Hey, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Takes a knife. Ooh-hoo. You know, and yeah. ooh for like a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but I'm like, I waited an hour for that. Yeah. Yeah, that movie. I remember being a kid, like, trying to be a completist when it came right. to Mel Brooks. You're going to see that one, too. Yeah, yeah. And then I, it, just, it finally... I was searching for it, yeah. and it, it was out of print. It wasn't on VHS at all. Oh no! Yeah, and then finally, it is now. It is now because is it? Uh, well, it's on VHS, but uh. VHSs are out of print. Uh. <laughs> it's on Laserdisc. Yeah, <laughs> but like they finally, I think it was in not until like '96 they put out like a Mel Brooks collection, yeah. and Twelve Chairs was on it, and it was the only way. And I already had already collected all the other VHSs, yeah. but the only way to get Twelve Chairs, they weren't sell, selling it separately. You had to get it within. The right. set, so I had to buy the box set, even though I had everything else. Was it History of the World and stuff? Or? History in the world, History of the World was in there. Uh, high anxiety, which is like one of my personal favorites. Yeah, high anxiety is funny. Yeah, it's, you can't beat that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. High anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and especially, I loved it even more when he when I like I like he explained that song where he's like um, the idea of a guy that shouldn't be able to like he's just a doctor he shouldn't yeah. be able to sing that well and is embarrassed and he quickly just owns it by like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like right, right. Um, you went to get married this morning and they said it wouldn't last all that stuff yeah. but uh, but yeah like uh, it's just it's not very good well not very good it's funny how uh, you know we. We think of our culture as like, oh, we're super evolved, and like, there's sort of like the, like, a, I think in our heads we apply like a Moore's law to comedy, where I'm like, oh, it gets better every 18 months, and people figure it out. When you look back, we're really just doing the same uh, types of jokes that have been done. That Looney Tunes did. Well, yeah, yeah, and and then there's yeah. a certain there's a certain level where I think we get away with like, no, I'm doing it ironically, like I'm doing silly humor ironically. But then yeah. at a certain point, no, you're just doing it, you know, like the, yeah. the jokes are the same. We're always clowns at the end of the day, no matter how seriously we take ourselves, and I'm as pretentious as they come. But at the end of the day. <laughs> talking about guy from the smartest man in the world podcast that's a joke <laughs> no My really doing radio stations when they go so are you really the smartest man in the world yeah. well uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got Jimmy the dickhead here yeah. who's our intern yeah. and he's gonna face off with yeah. you in a trivia match yeah. like, if, if, the world, if you're the smartest man in the world yeah. Yeah. if the world is this room then yeah I am uh, exactly that's yeah. what I always it's feel Car- like it's Kermity it's Kermity yeah, it's Kermity yeah. at this FM station in the morning show yes I am the smartest <laughs> man in the world I can't tell you how many times people say something like how could you guys say this on the podcast I'm like it's comedy it's a comedy podcast yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. fucking around yeah, yeah we're, we're just being silly yeah, it'll take it seriously. That's always the excuse for everything because it is. It's just comedy. Yeah, yeah. Don't well, it's like no, like a comic will always they won't like they'll think they'll their impulse is to say the funniest thing they can think of, and it's the second thought is like where how bad will this? It's like they don't think to offend; they think that what would get a laugh. The problem is that when you're a comedian, everywhere is essentially a comedy show, but no one told the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like <laughs> you in your head. 
you're on a comedy show yeah. always, but the internet's like, yeah. no one told us this was a comedy yeah. show, and so yeah. you sort of get the, they treat you like you're in a lecture series. Yeah. You know? Oh, I know. What, no, well, I do my show live, and I always, before I start, always say, this is a comedy show. <laughs> so if you feel like laughing, that'd be real encouraging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that they don't just sit there like this, you know, because yeah. you get to play some places are shy or whatever. Yeah, I put, it, I put it on the audience uh, where I say, like, uh, hey, guys, I'm kind of on the edge right now, so... Uh, if you don't laugh, it might send me into a tailspin. I'll commit suicide. So if you hear the news report uh, recently, unknown comedian Jonah Ray who committed suicide, yeah. it's on you. It's on you. So just remember that tonight but you know, as we move forward. If the audience wasn't familiar with you or your humor, they would really think that you literally – I'm always amazed at what – oh, sorry. I'm always amazed at what people will take as – like they would go – Wow, he really said he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Like, no, no, but it was in the context. Like, we always yeah. think everything's like, oh no, no one could take any of this seriously. But yeah. people hear words and they go, that must be that. Must yeah, be they true. do. Even when paying money to enter a comedy club. Yeah, no, well, you know, not always the not always the case. Uh, no, no. I was in Denver a couple of weeks ago and I did a show and a guy up, up front with his wife and you could tell by his haircut that he wasn't going to like it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Because he had kind of that, that Lee Ermery, you know, uh, full metal jacket, kind oh, yeah. of D.I. hairdo. And uh, I did a lot of politics. And uh, I said that uh, Bradley Manning, nay, Chelsea Manning, had decided to get a sex change after being convicted and thrown in the federal joint for... I go, so in a military prison, you're going to get a sex change. I go, that is swinging a giant clit. And <laughs> at that point, I could see him withdraw into a Nautilus-like shell, you know? <laughs> so... He has the temerity to sit through the whole goddamn show, and then he gets up with four minutes. You know, when you're just about to finish it up, you're like, okay, we're done here. Boom, he gets up and leaves. And I'm like, and then the guy next to him, I go, well, what was his problem? The guy's like, he's from Texas. I go, did he just generally announce that? Or did he go, no, he told me, you know. <laughs> so I go outside after the show. If you played the comedy works in Denver. You One know, of my favorite clubs. The little staircase out yep. the back. I go out and back, and there he fucking is. And he, hey, real funny, Mr. Fucking Funny Call. Yeah, run away. I'm like, do you actually think I'm going to go toe-to-toe with you on the street? Right. Because you disagreed with what I said on stage? Right. No, I'm not. Now you're in my arena. Oh, yeah. The world. (laughs) Someone didn't inform him. My my podcast, the toughest man in the world. (laughs) Going toe-to-toe with a nerd. His podcast, exactly. I'll finish you off, Specky. (laughs) If you hated the show so much, leave it at the beginning. I have no problem. My ego's huge. I I get it that everybody doesn't like me. Don't leave two minutes from the end and then try to brace me on the street like Wyatt Earp and shit. (laughs) I'm calling you out. Hey, comic, I'm calling you out. A real funny show. And I almost went like, well, you got some of the jokes. (laughs) Therefore, it was probably funnier than anything you've been to recently, like, you know, a gang violation or a a motorcycle rally or whatever the fuck it is you go to. I do love that comedy works downtown. That is such a fucking... It's a great club, and that was the only thing that happened the whole week that was a bummer. Everyone else was lovely, but right? Why did you know? How do they do it? They sit in the front, and then they find me after. Like, no, there's too many coincidences. You know, I I, hide in the back and then fuck off. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, you know. I think it's just. I think it's all just accidental. They just show up at a certain time. They get sat there. They don't want to be part of the Mm -hmm. thing, and you know, I'm like you, and that. A lot of my set is chatty. I like to talk yeah. to people. It just makes it makes the show fun for me. But I, I remember it was doing a show in um, uh, where was I in Wisconsin? I think in Madison, which is also a great club. The club in Madison is really great too. Uh, 
And I, you know, I'm just talking to people in the front. And I put the microphone down, the guy in the front row, and he was, and he mumbled something. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. And then I just see, I just see the gaze. And he's uh, like, get the fucking microphone out of my face. Uh, uh, and like, it was that moment where you just kind of felt for the second, just the room yeah. just go. Yeah. And everyone was like, whoa. And uh, if I had been any less experienced of a comic. Yeah. The show, the show would have been over in the first four minutes <laughs> because the guy got up and then stormed out and then people started booing him and he was like fuck you like that oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I literally I was just like hey you know just let him go don't yeah. leave yeah. him alone yeah. he's having a time and don't fucking yeah. harass him you know and uh, and then just continue to do the show it was fine yeah and then afterwards, uh, I saw him, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Uh-huh. It turns out the poor guy just had horrible, like, anxiety, like, right. stage fright anxiety. Right. He, you know, he apologized. I'm like, you don't have to apologize. It was totally fine, you know? As long as you're fine, the audience will be fine. But it definitely, that was one of those moments where I was like, ah, shit. It's like, fi- talking to people in the audience is finally going to bite me in the yeah. ass. Do I lay into this dude for being a dickwad, or do I just back the fuck off and let everybody I tend to not lay into people in an, in an aggressive way. I'll sort of tease them and have fun yeah. to sort of test, like, how serious are they? Yeah. And then if it gets to a certain point where I'm like, oh, yeah, they're on the warpath, then a lot of times I will either just sort of be like, ah, enjoy yourself. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's, not, it's not worth... No, it's not worth causing a riot in the club and destroying the crowd because that's what it does. Then they start to pick sides too. Like if you're too mean to a heckler, then they're like, "Hey, he's you know he's one of us." Yeah, it is a really, yeah, yeah. It is a really interesting balance. <laughs> Just the the awareness of like crowd dynamics that you have to understand on such a a deep level uh-huh. without even thinking about it, so that because every show what you don't what you forget about when you've been doing comedy for a long time is that any show has the potential to go horribly wrong <laughs> in any minute yes. that you're yeah. on stage out one of thing, nowhere. One thing can drop them off. Well, it's like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're in, in a relationship, you know, everything can be fine. All of a sudden, someone can say something and then just dum, 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 dum. Yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah. like, now we're fighting. And a minute ago, we weren't fighting. And I don't know how we got here. Cut to you're at the men's club. <laughs> I guess I'll be here for a couple of days. <laughs> got your tennis racket. Now I'm in Dutch with the wife. Yeah. yeah. You know what I never, uh, I still can't understand is like when there's those splits, there's those split halves where it's like yeah. you go and you say a joke, and for some reason, not that any of the, it's not like a, there's two groups of people that came together to the show, but one side of the room totally is cracking up, yeah. but for some reason the other side doesn't. I don't understand the science behind that. You know, I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I think it is. It's that it, it's sort of like. Laughter is sort of like a, a, a zombie virus, right? <laughs> so it'll start. It basically bits of knowledge from Talking Dead host. <laughs> <laughs> Our hashtag today is Michonne's Blade. Um, but uh, but essentially, um, a, a crowd needs a handful of catalysts in any area to start the chain reaction. Yeah, and a lot of times it happens so fast that you don't you can't really tell where it comes from, but. I think I because I've thought about this a lot. One side of the room can have a couple of people that sort of catalyze the reaction, and then on the other side, it doesn't go that far. It just doesn't yeah. like they, no. it's like they're not Mm-mm. they don't have a couple people on the far right side that are kicking the energy back to the center, yeah. and so it does start kind of on the left side and then just kind of peters out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I really odd. I really do think it's a, it's a hand because it's a, it's contagious, you know, like the laughter thing. Yeah. It's so I, I really I think it has something to do with with that. Um, may not be right. No, no, that seems about right. Well, figured it out. Thank you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to is, get a zombie virus from the crowd. <laughs> well, that's where you would get it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, the worst place to be would be in a 
any type of performance venue yeah, when that true. shit hits. Um, oh, you showed uh, at CineFamily last Halloween season, uh, I think it was. Return, uh, of, the Return of the Living Dead. Dead. Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, yeah which is uh, my, one of my, it's on my top five favorite zombie movies. I agree. I think it's the, uh, it's the bleakest of all the zombie movies in a hilarious way because there's no way to beat them. They, yeah. they can't be killed. If you shoot them in the head, they don't care. Yeah, and nothing. They, nothing stops them, and at the end, the whole world ends. And yes. you're like, yeah, yeah. wow, this was quite a little screenplay you got <laughs> here. There's no way to defeat them. At no point are they winning. At no point do the humans win. You know how no. most movies, there's like this glimmer of hope? Yeah. Yeah. No. Even in Night of the Living Dead, they're like, well, we might win. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the police are at least on the case. Yeah. You know? In this movie, send more cops, and, and then I lo- they just eat the cops. And I love it because it's just like it's it's like the dumb fault of a couple of like idiots. It's yes. like it's like it's like I like you never in any other zombie movie, you never get to see like who's the guy that fucked up, right. who's the guy that left the door open to like the virus room. You know, yeah. It's like I like just the two, and there's just two of the like that's such a funny performance. Those I two love guys. them, and Clue Gallagher and James Karen are hilarious in it. I re- and you've got eighties punks in it. You've got the naked uh, Linnea quickly gets up and gets naked. Yeah, which yeah. Is like she's a naked again. Mini great B eighties movie. And like it's a good it's a good line too. It's like get some light over here. She's getting naked again. Yeah, which she's like naked got again. me so excited. I was like, I want to hang out with a girl that just gets naked all the time. To where you have to say again. Yeah. Was Return of the Living Dead eighty four? Eighty. Yeah, in there somewhere because yeah. there's a there's a crappy sequel to it. There's Return of the Living Dead two, but I don't yeah. think Dan and wrote it. Yeah, there's actually a bunch of sequels. This is weird because the uh, diminishing returns. Um, well, no, there's just no returns. There's no. just like the second one well, is just the world, world ends in the first one, so you're kind yeah. of yeah. Like, well, it's like the end of the Matrix. The first Matrix, you're like, it's over now. He won, and then, yeah. then oh no, we're having a disco at Burning Man, <laughs> and then the third one. We're now having we're, an now, underground now, rave where right. everyone should really theoretically look like mole people. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. instead they look like the most sun healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> With giant dreadlocks yeah. and lots yeah, of I mean, hair. Basically, and they, they basically they, they basically set up in the first movie that like. Oh yeah, um, the real world is really horrible. Yeah, uh, and there's no, you know, like we live underground. There's no, it just sucks. But then everyone's gorgeous. Oh yeah, yeah. well it it's has bitch and it's like Ibiza, you know, yeah, like yeah. A, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but it's future. It's future society. So basically, like I think if like every like oh. when everyone's when all the fatties got weeded out, what happens? Just like because it's like you know, like race is just going to be, not become a thing, and everyone's right. going to and like just the the amount of you know people uh, that are like you know brown or, or white. It's like it's going to everyone's going to become olive and gorgeous I'm not, just, I'm, not, happen. I'm not talking about skin tone I'm talking about everyone is like buff and ripped exactly oh, yeah. no because like and they eat garbage they show you what they eat <laughs> yeah. it's disgusting and you're like well, how do you get it's so enough proteins <laughs> all the body needs yeah. but like when everyone in the world starts to like you know just uh, procreate with all the different you know uh, ethnicities in a cave gonna, yeah exactly it's just going to turn into the perfect human no, it has I, to, right? It's I think. Gonna a, I think. I think there'll be a worse version. No, 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 no. Everyone will turn into those creatures from the descent. Is what'll happen. No, ah. just think about. Think of like all the really hot people you know. They're always like like half Asian or half black or something like that. That's Fine, the but most if they if they were born and bred underground, I don't think and this- had to go to a disco with Jada Pinkett. <laughs> <laughs> think of the punishing. That's why I like the H.G. Wells uh, time machine one because all the good-looking people live on the surface of the earth and then it turns out they're just fodder for the yeah, other people food. who live underground yeah. and it's like, well, that seems about right. Yeah. Oh, such a genius <laughs> idea. 800,000 yeah. years in the future, everyone's blonde and yeah. gorgeous and they're just rabbits yeah. for stew. Yeah, just keep them happy. Yeah. Keep them happy too. Yeah. Give them oranges and whatnot. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do with cows, right? Yeah. We just basically yeah. let them live these pleasure yeah. orgies yeah. until we uh, surface to devour them. Yeah. Yeah. Hang out in the field and then I'll be your Morlock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just hung out and partied I would fuck all the time. It was a good time being a cat. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Smash. <Yeah. laughs> My head. I don't feel that good. What's happening? 
That little thing from uh, No Country for Old Men. Right. The cat, oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah. that's right. Didn't want to get no blood on the car. <laughs> <laughs> I got really sad after that movie because I had a postpartum depression. Come on, Jonah, let's up top. That's what I'm hey, talking about. Come on, you guys. That's their best. That's the best uh, Cormac McCarthy. Well, one movie, but two. It's one of the better Coen Brothers movies because that's not a great book. It's an okay book. There's a lot of hashing around about death and stuff in it, but the movie has a sense of humor that they're able to bring to it. Like when the dog is swimming after him, and yeah. there's a few scenes in the movie that. I saw it in the theater, open huge laughs. Yeah. And it's like, you need that in that movie because it's an unrelenting story of terror yeah. where one dude just will not stop or yeah. whatever. They should have done that. They should have directed The Road as well. The Road. I didn't even see The Road. I just couldn't. I mean, he's, my, he's one of my favorite authors, but I just really feel like you can't do his movies. You know, they're too, there's too much in them, except for No Country, which there's not that much in, so it was perfect for a movie. Yeah, yeah. What's next for where, where where are you performing now? Are you all over the country? Or I am. Uh, I'm at the uh, at Bar Lubitsch uh, next week on the Bar 16th. Lubitsch. Yeah, and then um, I'm uh, where am I? Um, then I'm at Bar Lubitsch on November sixth. I'm on the road with Who's Line guys. Uh, I'm doing stand up all over. I'll be in Calgary in November and Boston in November. And then I have a new t- uh, uh, stand up special coming out on October twenty second. Uh, called Greg Proops Live at Muso and Frank. I shot it over at Muso and Frank. No way. Really? <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Where? Yeah, yeah. Like how, where, where? On the floor of the back room in the restaurant. Man. Fuck, that sounds awesome. You know where the, you know where the bar is in the back room? I think so. I haven't okay. been there in ages. Right, Muso's has two uh, areas. There's the one area with there's the Muso's counter. and then there's Frank's. And then there's Frank's, yeah. yeah. There's a counter, and then there's all the red booths, and then in the other room is the dining room, and that's where we did it in the dining room, where there's this beautiful bar with the mirror and everything, and, and Sergio was there, and uh, you know, the cats of Ruben, the, Ruben's worked there for 40 years? Oh my God. Sergio's worked there for 35 years or something? They know the Stones, like the Stones bring them on gigs and stuff, oh, they all shit. have guitars from them and everything, because the Stones, evidently Keith eats there, and when they're in town, and... Yeah, they, they tell me. I had him introduce me, and he got nowhere near my name, which was awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, it was my manager's idea. It was really good. Uh, he, he'd been there for some event with one of them old munchkins. I'm not kidding. And this is my favorite part of his story. He's like, I'm at this event, and uh, this guy, this munchkin's there, and he's uh, 94, but he says he's 91, which I, you know, <laughs> fantastic. And so we thought, well, let's shoot it there, because uh, I'm old school, and it's an old school place. And then, like, oh, we're going to put a stage in and shit. I'm like, let's not. Let's just put a table in. So I had a little table, and I stood on the floor, and we put people in front of me, and we kind of shot it and put some smoke in the room. And it, it looks really bitching. It does That sounds bitchin'. great. It, it's really fun. Has the podcast gotten more people out than anything you've worked on before? Yes, Chris, it has. It's been the most significant thing I've done. In my, I think the funnest thing I've done in comedy in 30 years, you know, and I've been doing this since, you know, the earth was a swirling ball of methane, and... Uh, the, the, the podcast gets more reaction and more people and uh, I can go all over the world with it and all over the country into different countries and stuff and people come out and uh, it's fantastic so I'm pumping the stand-up special off the back of the podcast too but I never ask for money for the podcast you know like uh, it's free like free, yeah. it's like yours like we all try to keep that on the yeah yeah the free end so I don't feel bad asking for five bucks for a comedy special no 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 you and can I, download you I think know? people yeah. I think people understand that yeah they do and I, that's what the hipness of the, the comedy crowd is now that people understand that you're you know I'm not plugging everything every two seconds of my life and I'm not making you pay for special editions where I'm in a cave or whatever or a barrel right uh, <laughs> so yeah that comes out on the 22nd and uh, and that'll be fun it it looks good and I'm, I'm happy with it I mean it, you know it's not very political it's like a couple of I talk about Hollywood a lot in the first part because um, 
everyone drank at Musso's. And apparently Chandler wrote The Big Sleep in a booth there. Oh, wow. And uh, Faulkner used to drink and go behind the bar in that back room. And, and what, it's, what's different about it now is in the old days, there was a doorman for the back room. So it was Valhalla. Like, if you were Chandler or John Fonte or Bukowski, yeah, you got to come in the back room. If oh, you were sure. a mortal, you, could, you were welcome to sit in the other room. <laughs> uh, wow. And, you know, everybody ate there ever. Bogart, Chaplin. Chaplin's table's the one next to the window and stuff. When the windows opened onto the street and he would kibitz with people and evidently had a running gun argument about who would pay for lunch because he'd come there and eat every day. It opened in 1919. He'd come and eat every day there. And Musso would go, you know, here's your bill. And Chaplin would go, I'm bringing people in. Oh. <laughs> wow. And apparently he raced Douglas Fairbanks down the street on horseback and the winner had to buy lunch and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You know, because his studio was over. His studio yeah, was, was right uh, down on... Where uh, the Muppets is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, 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 oh, yeah the old A&M studios, yeah. too. The Chaplin studio. That was studios. the uh, yeah, tri- Tristar, so right? you just went down, right down Hollywood Boulevard and there's Mooses over at the end. Yeah, because they have little apartments there, too. Yeah. He had apartments. That, there are, there's like there's a, there a scattering of Chaplin apartments. Yeah, he has one right on the beach in Santa Monica, too. A house, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, wow. I think so. There was some on Sweetser, and I used to live on Sweetser in West Hollywood, yeah. and across the street there was a, a little collection of, of Chaplin of cottages. Chaplin bung- yeah, bungalows. little bungalows. Yeah. Right no, he got around town. Uh, well, I mean, imagine in 1919, he was probably the biggest star in the world. The world. Yeah. Him, Fairbanks, Pickford, and uh, who else? That would be it. <laughs> I don't know. Who else started United Artists? I'm missing somebody in there. But Probably a couple horses. A director, yeah. And a yeah. horse. Yeah. 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 Rex the, the Wonder Horse. Yeah. <laughs> Who also got to come in the back. Uh, yeah. When yeah. you see, like, the, uh, uh, you know, video from the old days, they'll have Chaplin look like contests, and there'll be thousands of kids just Jeez. like Chaplin, or him in the middle of a crowd of people, and it's like Babe Ruth, you know, just a sea of people on Chaplin, and everybody doing him, and, you know, like... There was no one more recognizable, I don't think, on earth. Because, of course, he didn't have to speak any other languages. With the silent yeah. pictures, your pictures just weren't everywhere. And also just being in the dawn of a, a whole new yeah. experience yeah. that was unlike anything that existed that had existed before. I mean, unlike anything. Yeah. To yeah. see move. I mean, Moving you know, we take it for granted. But to all of a sudden, you know, like a week ago, you had never heard of this thing. And then, yeah. wait, I can see... Projected and it's moving. The pictures are moving, you know. Yeah. And on location, because he he, was, you know, he's a great filmmaker. He, the gold yeah. rush is shot up in the mountains. He moved stuff around. Yeah, and like he didn't and just for, shoot in a studio. Yeah, and to be like a guy who was like pushing the medium itself right away. Oh yeah, like just like you know, wasn't just like relegating it to just being like we'll just do a story of a love you know lost or something in the studio. Like they go out and they have like you know all these locations. It was and he improvised evidently. He, he they did hundreds of takes. Whereas Keaton was much more meticulous. I think Keaton Keaton planned everything out. Was more, you know, uh, thoughtful about every single shot, and I think Chaplin would run the same scene fifty times and then use the best take. Like we're going to do the oh, scene wow. over and over and over and over because you see on his, you know, call sheets they do one scene all day, you know, for days and days until they got the scene they wanted. But he had that kind of leeway at that point since he owned his own company, so he yeah. could kind of go like, "Well, we're just going to work on this till it's done." I mean, I don't think when the two wheelers, the early ones that he did was Senate, and where was Senate Studio? It was out in the valley. I the don't Keystone, know. Keystone, right? When he, yeah. he, he lived in a water tower and he nailed all the girls, the bathing beauties, and he, <laughs> he <laughs> sent it laid in a bathtub, and that's how he got his ideas and everything. And <laughs> so he hired Chaplin first, and so the, the real early shorts that are with Keystone and Mutual and all that are like uh, really funny. As my friend Paul Merton, the comedian, said, uh, when he's about hunger, that's when he's the funniest. Because my wife doesn't like, I don't know about you, you know, no one even watches Chaplin anymore, but I mean, 
having said that, yes, people watch Chaplin. Don't fucking phone. <laughs> don't, don't fucking email me and Apologies. don't call Chris and go, mm-hmm. you had proofs on and proofs said no one watched Chaplin and I watched a Chaplin movie two years ago yeah. and I thought it was amusing. Yeah. Um, Apologies <laughs> to everybody who's watched a Chaplin movie ever. So yeah. let, let's just blanketly say, I'm sorry for everything. Yeah, I'm, sorry for, <laughs> I'm sorry for everything I've ever asserted. Uh, but when the movies got bigger and he did the features, those are really funny, but... The two wheelers that are ten minutes long when he's stealing food off tables, that's when he's the funniest, mm. when he's a starving poor person. <laughs> because it's always the big guy with the beard or the cop coming down the street and yeah. him, you know and then boom he gets hit in the head, you know, or he has to run around and like that's when the need, I think the need. And I think that's also spoke to that crowd then. We're talking about first generation Americans and second generation people watching you know, what you made one called The Immigrant, one called Easy Street, where it's always people moving into a ghetto and they're poor and the people who were going paid a nickel in those days. And, yeah. you know, like, that's, I think, the beauty of the connection that they made. Because it's so sentimental and it's so Victorian. There's always a blind girl. There's always a kid. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, <laughs> it's stuff you would never do now. Shameless stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and Keaton's not. Keaton's real modern. And Harold Lloyd, too. Harold Lloyd's a middle-class guy. And Keaton's always, you know, I'm just... Po-faced, does yeah. nothing rings me. I don't have a little kid that I kiss, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, taking it back to, it's sort of spinning it back around to some part of the earlier conversation. We, uh, my girlfriend had never seen Benny and June, so she brought yeah. it up the other day, and I remember liking it when I first saw it. But I also, when I was ex- explaining it to her, I'm like, okay, it's a good, it's a good, it's a fine movie for what it is, yeah. but it is. Like you will almost drown in the preciousness yeah. of like. Who's the girl in that one? I can't remember. Um, it's uh, it's Mary, um, Catherine. No, um, it's um, oh fuck, Mary. It's Johnny Depp and Mary. She has three names. Mary Beth Hurt. Mary no. Elizabeth. It's not. It's not Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. She was in the Abyss. It was. Um, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <clears throat> oh yeah. <laughs> Wearing a bag of measly on her head. Boy, I'm really disappointed she, she in myself because usually don't I be, can, don't be. I, usually, to be like honest, a, I don't think I've seen all of Benny and June. I always confuse it with Gilbert Grape, but Mary Gilbert Grape's Mary Stuart Masterson. Oh man. Just gave birth Don't to a brain baby. Was, it Johnny, like yeah. was Johnny, Johnny Depp? Depp. And and the that's whole, why I confuse it with Gilbert. You know, yeah. she, was, Gilbert yeah. she was she um, was she uh, was the disturbed. She was a disturbed yeah, young girl. And Aidan Quinn was her older brother who had to take care of her, and he's just a mechanic. Yeah. And then here comes Johnny Depp, who is a caregiver, and they fall in love. But she's a you know like the first scene of him. He's reading a book that says, like, the look of Buster Keaton. And he looks like Buster Keaton. And the first time she sees him, he's in a tree. And it's just, like, that kind of, like, okay. You know, I mean. Is he wearing the straw hat? Yeah, yeah, well, he's got, he's, got a little, he's got a little hat on. Yeah, yeah. And, and for that type of movie, it is an adorable movie. And it's, and it's, yeah. well, it's a well-done version of that movie. Yeah. But just, like, but just a, a wave of preciousness. We were like, ah, I need to come up Is that where the Proclaimers movie came? Uh, yes! Yeah, yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And when I'm walking, and you know I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the man who's walking up to you. When I'm podcasting, well, you know I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the man who's podcasting with you. (laughs) 500 episodes. And I'm gonna do this 500 times. Yeah. And when you're Greg Proops. And you're Prooping gonna be. You know I'm gonna be the man who's (laughs) Prooping over you. When you're Jonah. I'm just gonna keep it going. In the 90s, when I used to uh, tour in England, that was my opening line. Good evening. I am the Proclaimers. <laughs> oh my god, of course! Of course, I wear specs. I'm, I'm specky, yeah. Yeah, you got the. You got the, the and when you glass. played Scotland, man, kaboom! <laughs> kaboom! Hiroshima. What does they do the song? Yeah. No, I was, uh, I was kidding. Yeah, not really. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, miss, I'm missing my me brother. Do the song! 
Yeah. When I. No, they, and I don't even know where they're from. They're from outside of Edinburgh or something. I remember my wife saw them in the in the a long time ago in San Francisco, and the whole crowd was Scottish, and Scottish flags were produced Whoa. during the show. Oh fuck yeah! Because they're very marchy, aren't they? You know? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Do you, does your does your set change at all between here and across the pond? Uh, yeah, I'll talk about more English uh, um, politics and stuff like that. But uh, no, the last time I was over there in August at Edinburgh, I hammered on America a lot more. And I was, you know, uh, go, so tough year for Black Jesus. Plus, the week I was there, uh, it, it was when Snowden uh, got deported. It oh, was wow. uh, when Bradley Manning got incarcerated. So I was talking about all that stuff more than 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 English politics. That. When I'd been there in the summer before, there'd been a lot more England. And when Occupy was going on, because Occupy in England was a, a, a big you know, church at St. Paul's, right? And uh, the, the head priest or minister, whatever, St. Paul's, um, wasn't having it, right? Because there was too many poor people shitting and pissing around his fabulous church. Which, of course, I think you'll find that the poor are supposed to be welcome at your yeah, church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it turned out he was taking a private car there every day and jets. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he really laid down the law. So when they knocked that encampment down, and so I had to go at him, you know. And then I find out, you know, not everybody was on the Occupy tip, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> a guy came to review that show. That was like a year or a half, whenever Occupy was happening, but two years ago, right? And, uh, and I did that whole bit, and he didn't like it. I think it was the Times critic or something. And then at the end, I did this bit about Ireland where I just make fun of Ireland for 10 minutes. And it's, you know, reasonably hacky but amusing. And, you know, I was going to, uh, uh, the Irish, uh, the Ireland doesn't have a navy, you guys. They're an island, you know. How lazy, you know. Like, you know that kind of, and the review's like, this show is bullshit. It was nonsense. I hated it. I hated it. Then he started in on some great Irish material. <laughs> now I have to take that out. You know, like as soon as I got racist, he lit up. You know, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, about those fucking Irish. <laughs> oh, he's coming over here, and whatnot. To, you know, someone's selling it like it is. Yeah, exactly. The, but the whole hour before about how the government, because you know, the, they had the giant riots right in London. And uh, uh, Tony Blair was, I mean, Tony Blair, um, uh, Michael Sheen, their prime minister, was, uh, (laughs) (laughs) David Cameron was gone, and uh, Boris was gone, the mayor of London. And I I remember being with my wife and driving in the car and listening to, like, the BBC World Service, and the riot had been going for four days. It had started on Thursday, and we were listening on a Sunday in the news, and the reporter actually said on the news, Boris Johnson and David Cameron have rushed back to London to be part. And I went, whoa, 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 rush back? I go, they were in Italy. That's a two-hour plane ride. <laughs> it's been four days. The country's on fire. On fire. I'm calling friends there, and they're like, yeah, down the street from our house, there's fucking houses are getting knocked over. Oh, yeah. You know, Jeez. it was a fucking giant riot in London. And like, they, I was like, rushed back? Really? Our definition of rush is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> but at the very last minute, when yeah. they got over, they were very, you know... So they it was horrible. And then, of course, they arrested all the kids, the ones who were using Facebook and stuff. A bunch of them got put in jail. And sort of ignoring the fact that, well, the riot, the riot didn't happen because of Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The riot happened because there's poor people who were kind of fucking angry. And yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but not, that's a harder comedy sell, as you know. Especially to critics who love that Irish material. They as love I, it. They as just, I do. They want to hear it. That's yeah. all they want. If he just stuck to that. If I could just... Well, I don't come to learn. This isn't CNN. Can't you talk about something fun? What about your cock? <laughs> Surely that's an endless cornucopia of humor. <laughs> Farts are funny. What if your cock could fart? 
Yeah. Dude, do something with that. Yeah. yeah. Spin that around. Yeah. If my cock was Irish, it'd be Greg O'Proop's cock. Yeah, he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah, and it never get hard. <laughs> no, hey! never get hard. Hello, hello. It'd be like nice. a peat bog. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I changed the material here and there for there, but not not to the point where I worry about it too much. I mean, when guys go over there, I always say to you, you've been over there. I've seen you over there. The uh, people go, well, should I change my material for England? I'm like, you have jokes, right? And they go, yeah. And I'm like, tell those. <laughs> <laughs> tell your jokes. If they're not the most arcane American joke in the world, if you're not talking about going to you know Dothan, Alabama, to a Waffle House or something, then. <laughs> You'll probably get away with it. And even then, they'll understand the concept of it way more than Americans would if you said, I was pushing a pram on the pavement and blah, 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 you know. Because Americans can't translate anything. Yeah. My my older set, like two sets ago, um, I realized was almost all America pop culture centric. Mm -hmm. and And I realized it when I went to Canada. It was I think it was one of the first times I ever did Just for Laughs. And I was struggling, and I realized, like, oh, these are all, this is all our culture. A bit site-specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They weren't weren't people jokes. They were, Mm -hmm. like, America jokes. Yeah, I was just in Canada, and you do have to, you have to open it up a little. But, I mean, I'm I'm there a lot, so uh, I know more, and I read the paper. People go, how do you know so much about Canadian culture? It's like, well, I read the paper today. And anyone (laughs) can. You can just pick it up. Pretty much. And then you got the internet, too. You can't find a newspaper, just go to uh, .ca, and you got your covered. Pretty much. It's all there. (laughs) That's all you got. That's all you got to do. You know, uh, Americans are, we're always like, well, aren't we just the center of the world and shit? And then you go to other places, and you're like, no, not actually. No, no. <laughs> you can talk about show business for a few minutes, and then that's the end of that. Their yeah. their their entertainment level on that kind of wanes. Mm-hmm. You know, inversely proportional. I'm sure there's some theorem. The more Kim Kardashian jokes you throw in, the, the less the humor slides down a certain. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I think I think um, what you know what can happen is uh, we're, we are kind of because we're so. Big, like somewhere just geographically large, yeah. and we're so focused on America at all times, and we're kind of isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah, um, by long plane rides. Yeah, that it, that essentially <laughs> we, you know, we do kind of have the spoiled kids in where we're like, oh, we think it's about like we're kind of like only children. It's us, right? Yeah, and then and then <laughs> <laughs> what about me and my Come needs? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm cool. I mean, we think we're like the young cool kid at the party, but in a, but actually, what everyone else sees is like. The the forty two year old kid guy at the frat party who's still like man we're gonna fucking tear this up and all because <laughs> yeah, right, right. they're like could you not be here yeah <laughs> you didn't know anything about anywhere else <laughs> well that's the good thing about doing the podcast in different countries is I have to talk about where I am and so I have to learn something about where I am and so I'll talk about Canadian politics or English politics or Irish politics or whatever and and I think they like it because one they don't expect an American to fucking know a goddamn thing about it and two no matter how ill-informed my opinion is <laughs> at least I've made this it's like saying bonjour in France they're like yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's adorable. That it's is nice adorable. That you, did it. Yeah, yeah. you know where Ottawa is. Good for you, Greg. <laughs> you know what Ottawa is. Hooray! You know we have a parliament. <laughs> but uh, but that said, but that said, one of my favorite things about being a comic is getting to see so much of our country that you that most people will never ever ever like see. Like Bloomington, Indiana. Like Bloomington, Indiana is the. I was Isn't I was fun? just thinking of Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. You, I would never think that's a place I would I should go, and then you realize like that is a cultural. Uh, there's a mecca of I mean, 
You know, have you been to have you been to comedy it's the attic Madison, in Wisconsin, and Indiana? Uh, yeah. No, I've I've um I've been there when I was in bands, and there's like oh, a lot. Really? There's a huge music scene there. It's like a lot. It's of a great. great. What's that huge university there? IU? Or? Yeah, it was, yeah, it's the University of Indiana. Yeah, yeah, it's right yeah. there. Well, so those are the guys that tried to take down the cutters, but uh, uh-uh, the locals are the ones that won the race. Whoa. Hello. Yeah. Is that your favorite Townies. movie, Breaking Away? Breaking Away, is, Breaking Away is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Right. Did, you, did you do a little uh, Dennis Quaid? Which Quaid was it? That was Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah, yeah. right. The yeah. hunky one. Yeah. Yes, yes. It wasn't Randy. Yeah. That was the first time. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone looks at Randy and goes, he's a cyclist. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he rides bikes. Yeah. He's a cyclist of some kind. <laughs> no, I know. And the reason I went to Bloomington was because of you. Uh, I, my, I got offered the club there. And uh, the first thing you do, you know, when they go, do you want to play this place? You know, I'm sure you guys you, do it. You ask people. You, uh, you, you ask other comics, you know, and you go to the website to see who they've got. And if it's Shackley Schlucklenberg, you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, Making fun of Mexicans night on Wednesdays right. or whatever. You're like, oh, that's not going to be good. I shouldn't go there. But then when you see like it was Bamford, you and Doug Benson, Doug Benson. It's yeah. like Chris Hardwick and Doug Benson doing their podcast live, and I was like, oh, I'm going so there and doing my podcast live because Doug Benson <laughs> and Chris Hardwick. We had, we had like we had the some of the best Afghani food. That one little street. Yes, <laughs> there's one street, and it has all these. It has all this international cuisine, but like authentic internet, yeah. and it's fucking great. I know. Yeah. I had marvelous Thai food in Bloomington, and you think, how does that happen? Bloomington's yeah. well. The, the formula is whenever you have a massive university. Yeah. It's the same thing with Madison. It's the same thing with Austin. It's the same thing right. with Bloomington or Northampton, Mass. Yeah. Or... When you have a massive university right there, it just. It just infuses this young artistic culture. Yeah. Their culture is bring a culture. Yeah. There's going to be record stores. There's going to be lesbians. There's going to be international. Right. There's going yeah, yeah, yeah. to be lefties. There's going to be a lefty newspaper. There's going to be uh, all yeah. the things that Indianapolis doesn't have. Because so, yeah. a, a university that size, which has you know thirty or forty thousand people, yeah. will also draw an international crowd. And guess what? International people bring wonderful parts of their own culture. Yeah. Like so, the chow. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic that it's this one street, and they're so proud of it because there's several Tibetan places, yeah. Afghani. Like it's not just Italian and you know French yeah. or whatever. They went they went around to the, the Caucasus <laughs> yeah. and I'm, not, the I'm, not, I'm, not, even sure, I'm yeah. not even sure if I could tell you an Afghani place in Los Angeles, but oh, Bloomington, I, I know exactly where it is. I could take you to Little Ethiopia, which I love. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we eat, stuff, we eat the shit out of Ethiopia. We've been we've been to Ethiopian restaurants in pretty much every city. We try to find, and the only reason we didn't eat Ethiopian in Bloomington is because we found the Afghani place. Uh, but but so 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 fantastic. Yeah, it's good. The Ethiopian food is. I it is the one time where I feel bad about not finishing everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they yeah come so, over and you're like ah I'm sorry I'm, I'm full yeah no. I, no, I'm American. We waste things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I order more than yeah, I yeah, need because yeah. it's fun, and then I don't know. Yeah. Right, right. And there's a lot of paper products with everything, so we can just throw. Do you want to take this home? Right. No, yeah. no, no. I don't. No. I used to go there. There was one on, on, on Fairfax, Little Ethiopia, that uh, that was like a all-you-can-eat buffet, and it was like five bucks. So I used right. to like when I was broke, I would go yeah. down there and just fucking yeah. have Put it. Put it on. Well, there's, yeah. Ros- yeah. There, there's Roslyn's, which is really good because they have the yam balls that are really yeah. good. There's another one across the street. Called- I had that, but it went away. Good night, everybody. Up hey, yeah. 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 Oh, now do the Irish jokes. <laughs> but they're really uh, there's another place called Meals by Gannett or Ganet. It's anyway, it's it's a it's a little bit of a snazzier restaurant, but phenomenal. Yeah. Because you're spoiled for choice in a city like San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York. There's going to be Ethiopian places and Armenian places and this and that. You go to Indiana and it's TJ Friday and Ruby Tuesday and lots of bar food and yeah. lots of cheese on everything, and then you get to Bloomington and you're like, oh, 
<laughs> I can have doodles. This thing is green. There's green on this place. Chopsticks. And the Italian restaurant's not, uh, what's that one that's at Maggiano's? Or, you know, there's always the chain, or P.F. Chang's. Yeah. You know if you see Or uh, the macaroni grill. Course, the macaroni yeah. grill. Yeah. I ate it in Niagara Falls, and it was the saddest Italian food <laughs> ever. So sad. And when did... Cheddar cheese get introduced to Italian cuisine <laughs> when it came when it came to the Midwest. <laughs> oh, buddy, it's just so sad to food. You. I totally judge everything based on my personal comfort and what kind of foods there. Uh, there's a place called Anna Cortez, Washington, and we play a casino outside of it. And you'd think, oh God, where is it? It's at the very, very top of Washington. It's quite near Canada. The food is to die. And there's seafood there, and like there's a place called the Adrift Bar, and I mean every time we play there, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to go to this tiny. <laughs> well, because when you're on the road a lot, that's what that, those are the kind of things where yes. you get enjoyment. Oh, scallops! <laughs> <laughs> that place has those bagels that are really yeah, you know, like that's right. where you get exactly. that's where you get your enjoyment. Because you know when you go to Chicago, you're gonna go, oh, I'm gonna go to that place that I love, yeah. or you know in Texas, I'm gonna go to that barbecue place that I. Well, that's know. what I'm saying. That's like you would not know that if you didn't travel around this country. Some of the best Italian food I've ever had. Was in the um, uh, was on the uh, uh, the peninsula of uh, Michigan. Oh, the UP, the the Upper Peninsula. Yeah. yeah. Were you playing uh, Marquette? Maybe yeah. I can't remember. It was a college right on a river. Yeah. It was winter time. It was yeah. gorgeous there. F- cold as fucking balls. Yeah. But there was an Italian restaurant, and Mike Furman and I just kind of wandered in there, and it turned out. It was a couple who it was an Italian couple who had lived in New York, and right. they just got sick of New York, so they moved. And the f- it was some of the best Italian food I've ever had in, in the fucking Upper Peninsula of yeah. Michigan, yeah. where everything else just sort of felt like, oh, this is kind of an industrial town, and right. you know, like, you know, it'll probably just be some regular, you know, mom, mom and pop stuff. But it was incredible, right? And you want to cry sometimes because you're like, we found a place. You never, <laughs> yeah, you never would have found. Like I am, I am so, I'm so happy to be like a, a tourist of our own country. It's, it's as long as yeah. I don't have to go to Pizza Hut or you know, or yeah. when you're when that's it, when it's like, well, the uh, the Steak and Shake's open. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to go to the Steak and Shake. I don't. I can go there. <laughs> it's breakfast time. I, I had a hard time finding open places in San Francisco this weekend that are open late. San Francisco's not a late it's eating not place a late for eating some reason. You gotta go to Chinatown and yeah. well, especially not enroll the dice. Especially yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went to a place called Vietnam that was open real late, which was great. Most disgusting place I've ever eaten. Right. But like probably the best Von Me sandwich. The problem the ever problem ever. is that you are um, the, the punchline is in the financial district, which is a a not a nocturnal part of the country. I'm no, yeah. the city. Immediately. Immediately. It becomes downtown Ghost LA. Town. There's yeah. basically like I think even like the Elephant and Castle pub closes at midnight. Oh, yeah. yeah, it closes. Nothing early. is open there Nothing. near there. You have to go to North Beach or Chinatown or you must leave the financial district. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's just Uber Yeah. To a, the rescue. Yeah, I did that a bunch. Yeah, Went to like a Korean diner one night with the you know Worst mistake I made, but right. fucking best mistake I made. <laughs> There's a, oh, a hideous hamburger stand. You know where Broadway and Columbus is? Uh, where uh, Tosca, which they've closed now, but Specs and City Lights and all that. That little corner. Tosca, they just reopened. Right, Tosca is gonna is a restaurant now, right? Yeah. It was, but it, they've what's her name? Jeanette lost the. Yeah. This it, it needed to change hands. <laughs> the, if I had to sit in one more cracked fucking booth in that place for the, in any case, uh, up the street there, there's a, an inconceivably revolting hamburger stand that has the best French fries in the world. Oh like, really? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like like you go in and there's a dude with a sandwich for a head and you know the guy behind the counter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're like, what happened here? What kind of genetic fucking horror? 
And then, but you know, <laughs> this so is fucking drinking over there. Bioshock. Eyes up there and a burger, oh, wow. the greasiest burger in the world. You know, there's <laughs> a dude behind the counter. You know, like, look at all these splicers yeah. in here. They, they've been juicing Not on like the atom. Open all the goddamn time. I don't think it's that <laughs> You know, I was surprised. I was just in Toronto, and there was everything open way late at night. I did a gig on a Sunday night, and I go back to my hotel, which was, you know, like a corporate hotel. There was a hot dog stand open in front, and I go to the guy, uh, you're kind of open late on a Sunday, and he goes, uh, it's Toronto, not Somalia. Uh, <laughs> he goes, we're open 24 hours, what? and I'm like, who gets a hot dog at 4.45 a.m.? I way, love he, that. Well, by the way, did he have to jump right to Somalia? Right, like, no, yeah. He could have just did. said, you know, we're not Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, right. He no. was from Somalia. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he gotcha. does that to everything. I thought that was hilarious that he did jump right to Somalia. Yeah. <laughs> and they, didn't, they weren't just sitting on a thing. He put them on a grill and grilled the fucker and grilled the bun and everything. Oh, and nice. Like, you know, you know, it was the end of the night. I was starving. I was like, hell yeah. I would never eat a hot dog off a stand. But in Toronto, I was like, it's Toronto. Nothing. Yeah. And there was dueling ones, that, which I thought was hilarious. There was one like 20 yards past him. Oh, funny. And you're like, well, you guys are next to each other here. What, what's the difference? Did he tell you it wasn't Somalia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we think this is not like Ethiopia. <laughs> and then a bunch of pirates come up and take yeah. the hot dog. Fuck it, just uh, like Somalia. Right, right. I got open dog with a 50. <laughs> I remember uh, like a... Uh, go- <laughs> Drinking at a bunch of bars in like Hollywood, and like you know, you last call, and you you walk out, and then there's just like five different hot dog stands, yeah. just the, the carts, the L.A. cart where they wrap it in bacon, and they have the you Ooh, know, jalapeno and the grilled onions and everything on the side. That I am, uh, approve of. I remember being in Texas years ago doing some hideous gig for Comedy Central, and we were at some giant bar in Irving or some unspeakable place. But I remember being very drunk and coming outside, and there was a barbecue truck. And, you know, there's nothing like it, you know. Like, you just put it on your head. You don't even eat it. <laughs> just rub it on yourself. Wow. You just absorb it through and your... Like, that's the perfect drunk food, right? Like, yeah. certain things are... And in Cleveland, um, a falafel stand, I remember, on one of those little streets near the... You know the hilarities in Cleveland? Yeah. Two streets ever where all the people drink into those douchebag bars. Remember, <laughs> there was a falafel stand open in the middle of the night, and I was like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever... I don't, think I've ever, I don't have to go to Denny's. I've never yeah. performed. Yeah. I'm getting a falafel from the guy, from the Armenian guy. I did the colleges. I did uh, <laughs> I did the colleges in Ohio, Columbus and, and Cleveland. And, uh, well, actually, no, I did the... Um, uh, what's it called? It's technically not in Cincinnati. It's in northern Kentucky. Oh, uh, Lexington? No. Uh, it's a... Uh, no, Lexington's across the river from another... It's a, it was a, it was a chain it was a chain. That's West club. Virginia. I'm thinking it was a comedy club chain. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Like, uh, it had a name like Yuck Yucks. I was going to say it's Yuck not Yucks. Yuck Yucks, but it's like that. Yeah, laughs or something. I can't remember. Anyway, that was in that was in Northern Kentucky yeah. in Cincinnati. But uh, is Cincinnati but only the river separated them? That, oh, they were just but culturally a mile miles oh, yeah. away. Um, and I say that being I'm from Kentucky. I was born in Louisville, um, which you know because I say Louisville and not Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Um, but uh, I think that's about our hour, Proopsie. All right. An hour, that was, we, we well, like happy an Columbus hour Day to everybody. Yeah. Speaking of Columbus, Ohio, uh-huh. now we just brought it back around. Named for him. <laughs> Here's one fact I'll drop on you about Columbus. Uh, the boats didn't, not all the boats had decks that he took across the ocean. They gave him the three shittiest caravels they could fucking rustle up. He had been begging for seven years or eight years, and he'd already gone to the King of Portugal, and the King of Portugal told him to fuck off. He had also gone to England, and they went fuck off. So he finally had been, you know, 
petitioning Isabel and Ferdinand. Ferdinand didn't care for him, but Isabel had a soft spot for the Admiral. And so they signed the deal before the first trip, and they gave him these three shitty caravels. The, the Santa Maria ran aground when they were there, and he left a bunch of guys on the first journey. Oh, yeah, he did. From his crew, left them in the Caribbean, went back to Spain, barely got back, finally got back, landed in Portugal, had to make his way to Spain, but had with him a bunch of Indians that he'd stolen, a bunch of poor Arawaks or whatever. So when the queen and the king saw these fucking Indians, who they put clothes on because they were naked as the day they were born, and they brought parrots and shit like that and a few things, they were like, okay, go back. And the next voyage they gave him, 1,600 men, a shitload of boats, horses, the whole enchilada. So they went back uh, like a year later. All the guys were dead. Oh, shit. <laughs> so he left about 40, 50 guys from his crew on the first trip and just, we'll be back for you. Oh. oh. Mind you, this is a place no one knew existed. Yeah. Right? So the faith that you have to have, like, we've taken this trip across Yeah, I'm sure he'll find this place again. Yeah, and the three yeah. crappy boats full of woodworms and fucking oh. eating salt pork off the thing. And oh. they're like, we'll be back. I'm, trust me. Oh, Columbus, I made it over. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming back, baby, and this time we're bringing wine. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're a ship's people. We're ship's crew. We're not fucking survivalists. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Indians wiped them all out because immediately they, you know, tried some shit and that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> we are from Europe. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no one ever tells you that part of the fucking story. Yep. Well, you just oh, did. No. Yep. Well, I thought I would. They enjoyed. They they did. That was that was not a burrito that they enjoyed. It wasn't. See, I was trying to st- to, to take it around yeah, no, at the own end. It, own it and just do it. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito, <laughs> Mr. Columbus. I don't know if you understand the concept of owning anything, Mr. Columbus. May I borrow this? Can I, I borrow a Yeah. <laughs> uh. Thanks again, pal. Enjoy your Oh, Proopsie, your special is available on, uh, would we say VOD, Video On Demand? Well, thank you for asking. It's chill.com slash proops, or you can go to gregproops.com and click on the big banner that has my picture on it, and then you will be available to buy uh, this special for five ninety nine and all that. A special, a very special special. It's a very special special shot. The only comedy special ever shot at Musso and Frank's restaurant That's <laughs> on Hollywood Boulevard. That we are aware of. Maybe yeah, they was, shot some stuff in the Chaplin time. I was going to say, Chaplin probably did a hilarious short there with roles and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> and also the Smartest Man in the World podcast available on oh, uh, thank you. wherever podcasts are sold. Yes, for exactly. <laughs> for no money. For no money. So stop complaining. <laughs> exactly. People, uh, do people do that with you? People write in and go, you should talk about this and I'll write back, um, the show's free. <laughs> 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 How about you talk about what you want to talk about And yeah. I'll handle my end Yeah that argument's wearing thin on people I've tried that a few times And they're like My time is, n- is the same as I'm like okay Alright um, Look listen You're driving Let's be honest yeah. You're on a train okay yeah. That's what you're doing You're not in a fucking barrel Being pushed over the Niagara Falls To get the podcast This podcast isn't coming in I Ah <laughs> I wish the content was different As I toppled heedlessly Over this precipice <laughs> I don't know. I respect all the listeners a lot, so you know, I'll do whatever they say. <laughs> oh, you fucking <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Get back here! How dare you say that and try to pull away? Brown, yeah, sir. Get back here! No one can see you spinning in the other direction and holding your position. I don't do everything for the podcast. What? Sometimes wow. it's just for you guys in the room. Oh. That hilarious bit of Good physical idea. comedy. That's right. Do it yeah. one more time. No, no. <laughs> well now I'm the audience And I'm telling you what to do And if oh. you respect the audience Then transitively You should respect what I'm saying Hey I spent 30 seconds Downloading your show this morning Don't you think you owe me something? <laughs> yeah seriously Jordan. I don't have it automa- automatic Wow 
<laughs> Let's see how long a staring contest works on a podcast. Is it a plank or a laugh contest? Because I just won both. Wow. <laughs> I never realized how funny your face is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real furry. It's really furry. Mm. All right. We stopped ages ago. Yeah, we did. Do we throw down at the end? <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts